Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Where are you? I just had a question. Where are we? We know that's a question my mom, you know, will ask me because often I, you know, these conversations I have with my mom, I'm going somewhere. It's a great time to call. I got Bluetooth, driving down the road, chatting with mom. She goes, Where are you? My answer, being a loving son, um, in the Milky Way galaxy. And you can just kind of hear this, like, like, where did I go wrong? <laughs> it's like, now where are you? On the planet Earth. On the North American continent. Like, where are you? I'm driving from Seward to Lincoln, Mom. I had 22 minutes I could talk and, you know, visit with you real quick. Where are you? I mean, it's a great question, right? You think about, where are you? Where, where are we? You know, we're here in church. We're in Lincoln, Nebraska on a cold January day. And a similar question happens when you're on a road trip, especially if you've got kids on the road trip. They have a different question, though. What question do they ask? I see you know that because you've all said it before and you've all heard it before. Are we there yet? You know, just a little bit longer. Are we there? Are we there yet? I mean, you could be just like just backing out of the driveway, going down the street, and you hear the question, are we there yet? And you're like, that happened to me once with the kids. I'm like, we've got like a thousand miles, and we haven't even gone one-eighth of a mile. Are we there yet? No, we're not there. We're not going to get there for a while. Just sit back and do some stuff. You know, it's the kind of question I think that God's people are asking uh, as we hear these words from Jeremiah. Are we there yet? Are we there, God? Are we finally going to be there? And the words we're going to focus in on, these words here from Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Let's read these words together. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace and not disaster, plans to give you a future filled with hope. Now, we often hear these words when? Yeah, graduations, right? Because we hear these words and we like to tell, you know, those who are graduating, God's great, God has great plans for you. You may not know where you're going, but know that you got God's got plans. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to prosper you. Everything's going to be perfect. And I don't know how many of you ever graduated from like, you know, high school or college, and you find that, you know, you've heard words like that before, and things aren't always as peachy and terrific. There's all kinds of bumps and turns and uncertainties and delays and, and detours and, you know, kids in the background going, are we there yet? And you're like, ah! That really is really not the best application of these words. Because that's really not what God is not speaking, you know, individually to you or to me at our graduation, you know, that he's got great plans for us. Another way that we sometimes hear this word that, again, is a kind of a twist on the meaning of the words, and I hear this sometimes from like, like a TV preacher who would say, you know, if you have enough faith in God, God has great plans for you. He's going to prosper you, and all your plans will go so well, and you're going to have so much success in life. And I don't know about you, you know, I haven't always had success in life. And, and I think I've got faith in God. I do. I know I do. Is it a perfect faith? No. Is it a faith that stumbles? Yes. But this misnomer that we sometimes hear from some within our Christian circles, that this is a, a verse that promises God's going to make you wealthy and prosperous, those are false words. We have to understand these words, and we've talked about this before, to really understand sometimes a verse that we sometimes in our Christian circles pull out and like to apply to our lives. We have to understand the context of what's going on. So what's the context? What's going on here as Jeremiah speaks these words of God 
to the people of Israel. Well, what's going on is where are they? They're in Babylon. Yeah. Is Babylon the home of the Israelites? No. In fact, you know, the Babylonians, you know, was a powerful empire at the time. And these people have been carried away into what is called exile. They are not in their home. They're far away from home. And then what they want to do is they want to go back home. They, they want to go back to, to, you know, where their families have been for generations. They, they want to go back to, you know, the, the vineyards that they were constantly working on, to, you know, the shops where they would go and to, you know, be with the people they normally would be with. To, to run their own lives. But instead, they've been carried away into captivity, into Babylon. I don't, have you ever been somewhere you didn't want to be and would long not to be there anymore? Now, I'll be honest. About um, April, first part of May of 1997, it's a few years ago, I wasn't there yet, but I was thinking I don't want to be there. That was Nebraska. <laughs> But I wrestled the other prayer, God's like, why, why Nebraska? I mean, I've never been to Nebraska before. And why am I gonna go to Nebraska, God? It's not the plans and dreams that I have. But that's where I called day, you know, and I stood in the seminary, and they said, James Irwin, you know, Grace Lutheran Applied Center and St. Peter Humphrey, Nebraska. And I'm like, wait, wait, two congregations in Nebraska? What is this Arizona City boy gonna do in Nebraska? But preach the gospel? Yeah. But I said, I said, right, God. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta work through this. God, you know, help me wrestle through what you have planned for me to do. This is actually a time that I sat down and I typed out a letter to God, and I find that every once in a while, I'll stick it in some book and I'll find it again. I finally realized, you know what? This is where God is sending me, and God is gonna go. It's just, it's gonna work out. You know, I'll be there for five years. <laughs> Been here more than five years, and I realized it's a great place to be. That God has plans, and those plans sometimes don't always match up with what we have planned. We sometimes find ourselves where we didn't expect to find ourselves. That's really where the Israelites are at. They did not expect to find themselves here. And, you know, if you didn't hear the words, if you're not familiar with the text, you maybe just glossed over that. How long are they going to be in Babylon? Seventy years. Seventy years. I gotta do math. If I'm in, this is not this is Babylon, but I'm just thinking, how long will I be if I've been in Nebraska for 70 years? It's another, it's another 45 years. That's possible. Yeah. 70 years in Babylon, 70 years of not being able to go back home. Now, verse 8 there, God is saying, don't listen to the false prophets, because what are the false prophets telling them? False prophets are saying, look, it's going to be okay. We'll be back home soon. You know, we can finagle things and work things out and make things work the way that we want them to work. God says, don't listen to the false prophets. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't speak for me. I'm telling you to settle in where you're at. This is where you're going to plant your feet. This is where you're going to, you know, it says plant your gardens. You're going to build your homes. This is where you're going to make a life for yourself. Here in Babylon. Yes, far from what you would call home. But this is where you are. 
And then God gives this wonderful promise to the people. Let's read these words again. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace and not disaster, plans to give you a future filled with hope. So God said he knows the plans that he has for his people, plans for peace, even though they've been carried away into captivity, plans for peace, for prosperity, not disaster, plans to give them a future filled with what? Hope. I can imagine as they hear those words, they're going to be scratching their heads and thinking, how is being here filled with hope? How is being away from what we call home being filled with hope? The part of the thing they were struggling with is that they were pitting their, their future, their idea of hope on earthly things, on tangible things. And I understand that as humans, we do that, don't we? We like to put our hope on tangible things, things we can hold on to, things we can see. I mean, that's why, you know, we can feel a lot better if there's more money in the bank account, which, you know, if you're like most of us probably right now, there's a little less because everything's more expensive, like the heating bill and, you know, milk and everything like that. But there's a sense here, I feel security there. You know, I've got a place to live. I've got a home. I've got some sense of security. There are tangible things, but God is telling his people there that it's not these tangible things that ultimately are going to give you that hope, that certainty. You're not going to be able to rework the government system here, you know, so that it works for you. Ultimately, God is saying that he, he is their future and he is their hope. In fact, our future is secure and our hope is found in God. That's the message that Jeremiah is bringing to the people. God's message. God is saying, your future is secure and your hope is found in me. You know, as we hear those words and we, and we take this text and say, how does it, do we understand this in our own lives? Well, I think we understand this text in a way that, you know, God does have a plan for us. That we do have a future that is secure in God. That he alone really is our hope. And this is not the only place that God brings the message of hope to his people. People who are in exile, people who are broken, people who are, are wondering what's going on in their lives in this world. I mean, Paul touches on this message of hope in Romans 15, verse 3. Let's read these words together. May God, the source of hope, fill you with joy and peace through faith in him. Then you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God, the source of what? Hope. God is our source of hope. I know we're, we're human beings. Even as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we still tend to place our hope on things, people, you know, politicians, material things we can have and own. But God is ultimately the source of our hope. Because ultimately that source of hope we have in God is in who? It's in Jesus. Through your faith in him. And I, and I love the words that Paul has, has here. Then you will what? You will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter also talks about this. First Peter 1 verse 3. And let's read this together. 
Praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is so good, and by raising Jesus from the death, he has given us a new life and a hope that lives on. A hope that lives on, a living hope. Because our hope is found in the risen Savior, Jesus. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Just love that we can say that. It's kind of like saying, go big red. <laughs> but we have a lot more hope in Jesus, because of Jesus, than we do maybe right now in our current football team. But we've got to hope that they'll do better. They're going to do changes. But let's hear this, this phrase again. Our future is secure and our hope is found in God. So what does that mean for us? You know, we're not in Babylon, not physically in Babylon. I'd be like telling my mom again, where are you? And I did that to her this week. You know, where are you? Milky Way galaxy. You know, we're not in Babylon, but it may feel like Babylon. Things have it changed for us in this world that we live in. You know, we, we live in a world that, that even before the last couple of years, you know, I've talked about this word called post-church or post Christendom, meaning that the culture around us is changing. The church is no longer at the center of, of shaping culture. And at times, we even feel like we're more and more exiled to the outskirts of culture and society. And there are times that we want so bad to be in the middle. We want to change and reshape things so they fit and work for us. I mean, I think that's what God was speaking to the Israelites about, that we can just make it the way it was and it'll be there. And of course, then what happened the last couple of years, whatever your thoughts and however you experienced all this, we had this thing called this COVID pandemic. And that was like, you know, that was like putting the foot down on the gas pedal and this whole post-church thing just speeding down the road to about 10 years ahead of schedule. In other words, where we are right now with some of the things that we, not just Holy Spirit, but we as, as Christians are experiencing is what we probably anticipated experiencing in about 10 years from now, closer to my retirement. Instead, we're dealing with this now. This, this, this shift, and, and is part of the shift is why there's not so many people you know, that are always here in, in person, that there are people who have just drifted away. Not only the Holy Savior, I mean, a lot of congregations throughout the U.S. have seen numbers go like this, because you have this group that's called we call them cultural Christians. In other words, they came because there was this cultural expectation. And that was dwindling. But now, after COVID, after we've advanced 10 years down the road, there's a lot more folks that just said, well, I don't know if I need to show up. That doesn't mean they may never show up. It doesn't mean they have to stop believing. They just aren't connected. That's some of the reality of where we are. Some of the other realities of where we are is that, you know, we're a congregation in, in North Lincoln and a part of Lincoln that's seen growth. I don't know about you. If you drive around, do what's called a windshield demographics. There are homes going up nearby. You know, and we've been in this series here that we're wrapping up today, you know, that we said the first question is, who are we? You know, and what are we all about? You know, what do we do and why do we do what we do? And you guys had that homework of like memorizing this phrase. I don't know how many of you memorized the phrase or not, because I know some of you weren't here, maybe haven't memorized it, forgot it. You know, just for those who didn't memorize it, I've got it for you on the screen here. So let's say this together. 
We are a gathering of people striving to act like a family, committed to serving in love, so we gather, grow, and go, because we're all about growing in Jesus and sharing his love. And see, this is true whether we're in Jerusalem or Babylon, whether we're in a very church culture or a very post-church culture. This truth remains of who we are, what we're all about, and why we do what we do. And think about, you know, this gathering of people. This gathering of people, we've been together now as a congregation for how many years? 30 years. A little more than 30 years. It's actually December 31st of 2022 was 30 years. You know, we had this great celebration in December. If you missed it, too bad. But we plan to do it again. You know, hopefully it's next December because it's just fun. Let's get together. But 30 years, you know, this congregation has been, it's this group of people that was two congregations. Actually, it was a congregation that became another congregation kind of together that this congregation joined together. And so you had like Huskerville Church or something like that, which became Risen Savior. And then Holy Cross came together and became Holy Savior. You know, that, that's, that, that's history. So we're this gathering of people that have come from different backgrounds. I mean, there's just, there's just great things that have happened. Like, you know, who are you as Holy Savior? We are a gathering of people that have come from a variety of backgrounds. Who are you as Holy Savior? You're a congregation that's been through the ups and downs of, of, of ministry and life. I mean, have things always been glorious and great and wonderful here? No. I mean, some of you who've been around for a while know that there's been some times that have been tough. Sometimes you had to tighten the belt because funds were really tight. Yet you're a congregation that is also in the midst of COVID, which is amazing because most congregations in the midst of the pandemic saw their funding go down. They tightened their belts. They were really worried. You guys remained faithful. And you paid the debt off 10 years ahead of schedule. That's phenomenal. It is a congregation that has seen some Low moments, some dark moments, some moments where there was, there was fighting and hurts and struggles. Yet it's also a place where God has brought healing and brought us together, a gathering of people from different ideas and backgrounds. Struggling to act like a family that sometimes squabbles, sometimes has tough moments, but is committed to loving each other and committed to serving in love. And so we gather, grow, and go. Because why? We're all about growing in Jesus and sharing his love. So, you know, what does that look like for us here at Holy Savior? Because, you know, God is not done with us here. You know, we are here in Lincoln, Nebraska, in a post-church city. You know, with Barna's research, Lincoln is listed as one of the post-church cities, by the way. You think Lincoln, Nebraska? Yes. Because we're a big enough community. We're a university community. You know, we are post-church in some ways, we want to strive and pull things and go back to the way things were maybe just two or three years ago, 10 or 20 or 40 years ago, 50 or 60, 70 years ago. That's probably far enough back because I don't think there's anybody that can reach us much further back than that 80 years ago. But we are here right now, and God has us here. You know, and, and one of the things for us as we think about this, you know, is we, we get concerned about it, but we can hear those words of Jeremiah, and we can hear God speaking to them and saying, I've got a plan for you. Your future is secure and your hope. I am your hope, God says. So what does it mean for us? Well, a number of things, you know, that are unfolding for us here over this next year and over this next several years. One, you know, we've got, and we'll introduce him a little bit later here in our worship service, we've got our youth coordinator. So we've got someone working with us for youth ministry. 
And, 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 and our plan for that is to, you know, he's going to be with us for two years. Our plan is to help us move towards actually calling somebody full-time as a DC, a director of Christian education, to help with youth ministry and other children and family ministries. A full-time position. And so as we continue to resource, you know, so that position becomes a reality. We had for a long time, it was supposed to be one of the opportunities for us to reach out. It was an opportunity for us to reach out was that child care center. And that child care center closed. A number of reasons. Part of it was COVID. And, you know, that child care center was fully, completely, legally closed. Just God thanks Connie for all the paperwork and stuff she did. That was a lot of work to close that center out. But now we're in discussions about launching, relaunching a center. Not like what we had before. Something that is new and different. And that we're going to launch a center that has a relationship, that we are in partnership together, because then we see a ministry that is our ministry out into the community, that we are trying to help our community prosper while offering a child care center, but also is staffing it with a called director who sees this is a partnership in ministry, so that we have more than just somebody who's renting the building. We have a ministry that's going on inside the building, and we have relationships going back and forth. And that we see an opportunity to reach out and connect with those families that are moving into our community. Because, again, do a windshield demographics. It's a cold day. Get in your car, heat it up. Go up 14th Street around in the neighborhood like where I live and stuff like that. Go down Highway 34 towards Seward. You don't have to go all the way to Seward. Um, but you'll see that, again, more homes are going up by Super Saver. And this area is growing. And the opportunity for us to reach those families. And, again, bring that DC in as we bring in a child care center. And these all won't happen like this. But the process is beginning to happen. And so even though we might see that I haven't seen so-and-so for a while, and some things just aren't quite like they were, there are a lot of great things that God is unfolding here. I mean, this is a congregation. You know, who are you as a congregation, a gathering of people? You are people who, again, you pay the debt off early. You are a people who have sent people on mission trips throughout the parts of the world, Mexico and Poland. You've been down to Joplin to help clean up from tornadoes. You've been to other places in this U.S. and this world. You've sent a missionary overseas, you know, to work for our church body. You are a congregation who has, has worked for about a decade with three of our public schools and, and changing and adjusting to the needs that they have for their school community. You're a congregation who said, I'm going to help this community prosper, even in the midst of all the changes and uncertainties going on, because I have a God who gives me a secure future and hope. As we reach out and we welcome refugee families, and we've welcomed three of those families and are looking to you know, be in the process of welcoming another family. Because the hope that we have, the future we have, is in, not in us, but in who? But in Jesus. And the one who lived for us, the one who died for us, and the one who rose again for us. While there's been a lot of changes and a lot of adjustments a lot of uncertainties, less life. I'm excited for the future that God has for us at Holy Savior. And the future he has for you, because ultimately, your future, my future, our future, that secure future is not of anything in this world. Ultimately, that future is in our home. We call that the new Jerusalem. Being with our God forever. But until that time, we know that we have a God who's always with us, the God who always loves us, the God who has a plan for us in this world, a future for us here at Holy Savior. Let's pray.
Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing grace and love. Lord, we don't always know exactly what the future holds, as the saying goes, but we know who holds the future. We know you hold our future. Our future is secure. It is guaranteed in the blood, the death, and the resurrection of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, while there have been a lot of adjustments and changes through just the life of a congregation from day to day, typical things that happen as a congregation, you know, adds years to its life. So for many of us here, really, for Lord, for all of us, times of COVID and, and those changes have expedited some of the changes in our culture. Lord, we don't face these changes alone. We are together, and we are together with you. Lord, bless us as we continue to go forward in the future and the plans you have for us. Give us wisdom to discern all the actions that we take. Give us the resources to do what you called us to do, to be a people committed to serving in love. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, 